Well, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Jerry. I'm at the Carmel campus, and it's good to be back with you here today. Now, if you don't know me well, you might not know this, but I turned 40 a few months ago, and the people that love me the most in my life have been teasing me nonstop about getting old, right? And I'll be honest, things hurt all the time. Now I get it, I'm old. But I got a gift for Christmas that I either verified that I'm old or makes me old school. I'm gonna say it's old school. I got the gift of a board game. I love board games, right? We're in a digital age. I don't know how many people still play them. I loved them. I was so excited to get this particular game because I had heard great things about it. I had never played it before and I was really excited to play it with my family. So I got it at my wife's family Christmas party. I was so excited that I went, when we went to my family's Christmas party, I immediately invited my two brothers, my brother-in-law and my dad to play this game with me. Now we are all very competitive with one another, right? And I wanted to learn how to play with them because I was convinced I was gonna beat them, but I really just wanted to learn how to, how to play so I could play it with my kids. And so we got together and said, let's play this game. But there's a few things that you gotta know about that side of the family. There are 14 grandkids ranging in age from 11 to one, okay, and we're not in a big space. And it was during that snap during in the winter when it was like negative five for three months, remember that? So we were all confined to this place and we knew that we had a limited window of time. So we asked our wives, we said, hey, give us 60 to 90 minutes to play this game. We're gonna have some fun and then we'll re-engage and everybody agreed. Three hours later, three hours later, five competitive men, one set of instructions. None of us wanted to lose, but none of us could figure out how to win. And we were, we were trash talking with one another. The kids were a little restless and we were kind of sniping at them a little bit. And our, wife, our wives were frustrated with us because we just were getting frustrated. And so we had to make a really tough decision and call a truce. No one was gonna win. We were all gonna be losers on this day. And none of us liked that. We were pouting about it, but we knew it was Christmas. And for the sake of Christmas peace and unity, it was the right thing to do. So while we pouted during our truce, we did what we should have done all along. We Googled how to play the game because apparently we missed something <laughs> along the way. And as it turns out, there was one rule that we had read but misinterpreted. The way that we interpreted the rule slowed the game down and it was gonna make it impossible, honestly, to win that day or that week. It just, we weren't gonna get there. And so we learned a valuable lesson rules are important, right? Rules are important to be followed. We also learned that men don't follow instructions very well. I'd heard rumors of this. I got to experience it firsthand. Now, there's two types of people in the world, two types of people in the room. There's those of us that love the rules, black and white, do this, don't do that, follow the rules, right? And then there's the rest of us over here that say, ah, oh, rules, shmules, they're meant to be broken, bent, depending on the situation, right? We all fall into one of those two categories, but here's the reality. We live in a world governed by rules. Whether you like it or not, whether you're a rule follower or not, we live in a world that's governed by rules. And you have rules everywhere that you go. I'm gonna guess, married or single, you have rules at your home. Now at our home, if I were to sum, summarize all of our rules for you, they go something like this. Turn the lights off when you leave the room, put the seat down when you're done, and don't be a turd, right? Just don't be mean to people. Take care of others, be nice to people. You're, you're chuckling, so I'm assuming you have a rule similar to that, right? There's rules on the road. If you drove here today, you know I gotta stay in this lane, I can only go this fast, and I gotta stop at all the lights and signs along the way, I gotta obey the rules of the road. If you're a student, there's rules at school, right? You don't cheat off people and you don't mistreat people. Those are good rules. If you play sports, what happens if you break the rules? 
You get a foul or you're kicked out, but the rules are important. There's rules at work. You show up on time, you work hard, and you don't steal. And there's rules that just govern society as a whole. Respect others. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? There's just rules everywhere that we look. And whether you're a rule follower or a rule breaker, we would have to admit those rules are there for good reasons. They, they bring us community and unity with one another, harmony and peace in the world around us. But can we be honest for just a second? Would you be willing to admit that there's some goofy, ridiculous rules out there? Have you ever experienced a goofy or ridiculous rule that you thought, who, why are we doing this right now, right? So I ask my Facebook friends, hey, share with me some of the goofy and ridiculous rules that you've encountered throughout your life. And I hit enter and immediately ding, 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 right? People, people couldn't wait to get in on this conversation. So my wife shared one of the rules that they had in their house. She has two sisters and their dad gave them this rule. They were only allowed to use five squares of toilet paper per bathroom visit. <laughs> Depending on what you had for lunch that day, that could get interesting, right? Now, last week, there was a lady in Carmel that came up to me and said, my dad said only four. I'm like, man, these people are efficient people. That's, that's impressive. One lady said that she had a fourth grade teacher that would not allow her students to use their erasers on spelling tests. You could use your eraser on every other test, but not on your spelling test. And I guess her thought was students will never learn how to spell if they make a mistake along the way. I don't know. It just sounds a little rigid to me. Now, there were all my friends that went to private schools. And in private schools, there's a whole new set of rules, right? Apparently, there's rules about socks. Everybody has to wear them and they have to cover your ankles. And one of my friends told me she was told the reason that socks had to cover her ankles because socks that didn't cover your ankles were an insurance hazard, right? So you might wanna go home and check your insurance policy to see what kind of socks you're supposed to be wearing. My friend named Sam said he went to a school, a private school, where they were not allowed to wear shorts unless it was gonna be forecasted to be 85 degrees or greater that day. And here's the thing. You couldn't just watch your favorite meteorologist. You had to call a certain number that the school had determined because somebody was gonna tell you whether or not it was gonna be 85 degrees. And you know, I'm thinking, why would that be a rule? Maybe it, the best way to help students understand the reality of hell is by making them sweat in class, right? I, I just can't figure out why we have rules like this. Now, people shared lots of different rules, but there was some rules on Facebook that people were sharing with me that had a theme. And they all started to have this common thread they had something to do with church, following Jesus, or the Christian school that they went to. And so here's the next set of rules that were shared. One guy said he went to a church where guys could not have facial hair or long hair. That was forbidden. And women had, couldn't cut their hair and had to wear long skirts. Now, maybe you've been to a church like that. Maybe you're coming from a church like that. One lady said she went to a church where hugging and jewelry were forbidden. No bling and no affection at that church, right? Another said he went to a church where you were forbidden to dance to the church music, right? No fun for anyone at church. So imagine all the great worship that we have here at Genesis. You just got to stand and lock your arms. No swaying, no clapping, none of that, right? No fun at church for anybody. But then there were my friends that went to Christian colleges. And I'm telling you, this is where the rules just go off the page, some of them went to a school where traditional playing cards were not allowed. The only card game allowed on campus was Uno. 
Now, I always thought Uno meant you're down to one card, but apparently at that school, it's called Uno because it's the one game you'll be allowed to play for all eternity in heaven, Uno. Some of them went to a school, but this is, these are college students where they were not allowed to watch movies on campus, so guess what they did? They snuck off campus and went to the local graveyard where they would watch their movies together. It's just scary and sad. It's bizarre, right? Some of them went to schools where guys and girls had to walk on different sidewalks on campus. Now, those are some crazy rules, and and I don't know about you, but I just start to ask all kinds of questions. Who was making up the rules, and what were they thinking, and why? Why did they think that those were good rules? But then, if I take a step back, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Those rules probably came from a good desire to protect people, but at some point, protection turns to control. And can we be honest and admit, it's just not good to try to control people especially, especially when it comes to helping people understand what the church is supposed to be and who Jesus is and what he is like. So a few weeks ago, we started this series called Asking for a Friend, where we've been asking questions about who God is and what he is like so we can understand how to know him and how to follow him and how to obey him. And this week, we're gonna look at a question that has to do with the rules. If I'm asking it for my friends, I'm gonna ask it like this. What are the rules when it comes to following Jesus? Because clearly, Christians all over the board have different sets of rules that we like to apply to ourselves and people. And whether we would admit it or not, as individuals or as churches, we just gravitate in certain directions. And I think it's really important for us to know which rules are legit and which rules are we making up. Because if we don't get this right, well, it's really hard to understand what God is like and who Jesus is and what he really wants for us. So, did Jesus say that men shouldn't have beards or long hair? Did Jesus say that women had to wear long skirts? Did Jesus say that we should never hug anybody, right? There's only really one way to know, and that is to look in God's word to see what did Jesus say about these things. And as it turns out, Jesus liked to talk a lot about the rules. In fact, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew records Jesus's most famous sermon. You've probably heard of it before. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It takes up three chapters of the Gospel of Matthew. That's 10% of the whole Gospel of Matthew. And in this very famous sermon, Jesus talked a lot about the rules. In fact, he wanted everybody to know what a stickler he was for the rules because he starts like this. He says this, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I have come to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So Jesus makes it really clear. He's all about knowing the rules and obeying the rules. Now, when Jesus talks about the law of Moses and the writings of the prophets, he's talking about the part of the Bible that you and I would know of as the old Testament. And the religious leaders in Jesus's day had identified 613 rules or commands from the Old Testament that observant Jews, good Jews, were supposed to obey. Now, of those 613, 248 of them were positive. Do this, do this, do this, which meant that 365 of them were negative. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Now, I don't know about you. That sounds like a lot of pressure. Can you memorize 613 of anything? Because I can't. I mean, that's like a really high standard. I get lost in the weeds. I can't even follow the instructions on a simple board game, right? I'm in trouble here. 
But apparently Jesus was up for the challenge in this most famous sermon because he goes on to talk about the rules and then he starts naming some of them, the, very, the popular ones, and he starts raising the expectations behind them. He starts in Matthew 5.21, he says this, you have heard that our ancestors were told that you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Now, did you catch that? Jesus says, you've heard that it's bad to murder. And we would say, oh yeah, it's terrible to murder. Jesus says, good, I'm glad that you're aware of that because hating someone and cursing them is just as bad. What happens in your heart is just as bad as your actions. And then he says, don't call anyone an idiot. Am I the only person that's ever been stuck in traffic and that has used that word to describe the person in front of or behind me, right? And according to Jesus, we're in some real trouble, right? But he's just getting started. He goes on to verse 27 and 28. He says, you've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. According to Jesus, adultery isn't just an outward action. It's something you can fantasize about in your head and your heart where no one else can see what's going on. And then he keeps going. Verse 31 and 32, he says, you've heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. Well, he's just swinging for the fences. He's just trying to hurt people's feelings. He just wants everybody to know how high these standards are. And then he drops this little bomb. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So not only does he keep raising the standards, he says, yeah, you know that guy you can't stand? You need to love him now. I mean, that's a lot to process. We don't know what that person has, we know what they've done to us. How are we supposed to love those people? And so while they're trying to, trying to process all this, Jesus ends his little pep talk by saying this, watch out and don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others for you will lose your reward from your father in heaven. So Jesus says, you've heard that the standards are here. I'm telling you the standards are here. This is what good looks like. And then he says, by the way, don't let anybody know that you're trying to be good because once you try to do that, it's not good anymore. Now, there's two types of people. Some of us, when we hear Jesus say that, we say, yeah, Jesus, you tell them. You let them know how bad and awful and sinful they are because we should just be as good as we can possibly be. And then there's those of us over here that say, I'm all for that. I'm just gonna tell you, if that's the standard, I'm not doing so well. I don't measure up. I'm not even sure how to do that, right? And we look at Jesus like, I'm gonna need some help. Well, apparently the word got around about Jesus and his crazy high standards. Because in Matthew chapter 22, one of the legal experts comes up to Jesus to ask him a legal question. They had heard about how he was taking these laws and elevating them. And so this legal expert says, I got a question for you. Now this is in Matthew 22, starting in verse 35. If you wanna follow along in the Bibles around the room, that's on page 692. But we've got this conversation about a legal matter between Jesus and a legal expert. And it starts off like this. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, as it turns out, the religious leaders in Jesus's day loved to nerd out over this stuff. 
They love to get all 613 laws, put them on the table and say, which do you think is most important? Which is the greatest? And that probably sounds kind of lame to us, but we do this with all kinds of different things in our life, right? If you are a basketball fan, you follow the NBA, you know there's this debate on who's gonna be the MVP this year, right? Is it gonna be LeBron James or James Harden or Kevin Durant? We all know it's really Victor Oladipo. It should definitely be Victor Oladipo, right? We know that. We nerd out over that. These guys nerded out over religious rules and regulations. But when it comes to knowing God, that sounds like a really good thing. So this legal expert is asking Jesus this question. And what he's really trying to get Jesus to do is to give give me a summary of all these laws. Because 613 is a lot. How would you summarize this? Which is the greatest? And apparently Jesus had thought about this for a while. He doesn't hesitate. He just immediately replies this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind, this is the first and the greatest commandment. Now, if you obey God, if you love God, that sounds like a really good answer. But what you might not know is that Jesus didn't make that up. He's actually quoting Moses, a book that Moses wrote in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 6, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This was a sacred Jewish prayer called the Shema. And the Shema was the first prayer that Jewish children would be taught to pray. It was a sacred prayer that adults would pray twice a day, once in the morning when you woke up and once in in the evening when you went to bed. So as a good observant Jew, Jesus probably had prayed this prayer every day as long as he could talk. Now that answer probably pleased the legal expert because Jesus is responding about God's law with God's law. But Jesus wasn't done. He does what Jesus does. He says, oh, by the way, I got one for you. And he's gonna raise the standard a little bit. He says, that's the first one, but the second one is like it. Look at what he says. Verse 39, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, there he goes again. Hey, hey, before you walk away, let me tell you, I'm gonna raise this up a little bit. I wanna be really clear about this one. Now, in fairness, Jesus didn't make this one up either. He's quoting Moses again from Leviticus 19, where it says, love your neighbor the way that you would love Yourself. Now, something that you have to understand about Moses from the perspective of a first century Jew, any command that Moses had written wasn't just trustworthy, it was binding. So Jesus quotes these two laws and says, if you want to know the first and the second, here's here are the two most important. Now, there's a few things that we need to look at when and think about with this conversation between Jesus and this legal expert. What did he say and what didn't he say? He says this, I'm sorry, I lost my place in my notes. What did he say and what didn't he say? Well, first off, Jesus doesn't say that the most important is to simply do good and obey God. That's not what he says. He says the most important is to love God with everything that you are. And loving God doesn't just mean that we have good feelings about him, but we learn to love him with every fiber of our being heart, soul, and strength. So according to Jesus, rule number one is to make sure that you're right in your vertical relationship with God. If God's up here and we're down here, he says the most important thing is make sure that you're right with God. You gotta love him. You don't just obey him, you obey him in love. But he doesn't stop there. He says, he he doesn't stop with your vertical relationship. He goes on to say that Love for God can't be separated from the people that God has created. 
So Jesus says rule number two is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says you gotta be right in your vertical relationships, but then you gotta love everybody else around you and all these horizontal relationships, all the people around you. And look how Jesus summarizes this. In verse 40, he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. If you wanna know what the most important rules are, you gotta love God, you gotta be right in this relationship, and you gotta love people, you gotta be right in all of these relationships. So what Jesus is saying of all 613 Old Testament laws, they all tie back to these two commands. So let's go back to our question for the day. What are the rules when it comes to following Jesus? Well, according to Jesus, the most important rule is to make sure that your vertical and your horizontal relationships are guided by love. Your vertical relationship with God, your horizontal relationship with other people is guided by love. Not laws that we make up, not rules that make us feel good, not religious tasks that we do that make us feel good. But we gotta be right, we gotta be guided by love and how we love God and how we love the people around us. And Jesus says, all the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. Now, as I was studying for this, I kept coming back to this word, hang. Why? I couldn't figure out why Jesus would use that word. It just seemed like a really interesting word to me. And I looked it up in the Greek, and the literal translation is to hang or to suspend. Why would Jesus say the most important laws have to do with love and everything else hangs on that? Well, I think that Jesus was trying to give us a word picture to help us understand what this is supposed to look like. So I want you to imagine that this represents all of your relationships, okay? And Jesus says, rule number one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So this center beam is your relationship with God. And interestingly, it has three, three pegs to stand on, right? Now, what would happen if I took one of these off? If I take it off, it's not just gonna lean, it's gonna fall. So Jesus says, the most important rule is to love God so you have a, a good base to understand how to love other people. So you gotta love God with everything that you are, not sort of, not kind of, but completely. And then he says, once you're right there, now you can be right in all these other relationships. And so all of these pegs represent our relationships with other people. So here's a question, who's this? This is you. How did Jesus tell you to love other people? the way that you love yourself. Now, it's hard for us to admit that we love ourselves. We don't always take the best care of ourselves, but we do love ourselves. I'll prove it to you. When you were hungry this morning, what did you do for yourself? Did you feed yourself? When you're cold, what do you do? When you need something, what do you do? You go and get what you need. So Jesus says, oh, good, you understand. So if this is you, that's how you are to love all of these other people. So who are these other people? Well, I'm gonna guess that these are probably the people that you love the most. I'll let you determine who that is. Maybe friends and family members. These are people that you see on a regular basis, neighbors, coworkers. These are some acquaintances that you see on occasion. These are strangers that you bump into. And then of course, even Jesus acknowledged, we have enemies, right? And he says, hey, all of these people, all of these horizontal relationships should be guided by love. Which, which begs the question, okay, so what about all those laws that Jesus mentioned? All those things that are written in the law of Moses. Well, he's given us, and he says all of those are to hang on loving God and loving 
others. And so if we read throughout the law, he's given us laws about our sexuality. We've been created in his image and likeness and how we are to interact with one another. And he's given us laws about marriage and what marriage is supposed to look like and how that is supposed to function. Jesus said, hey, I'm gonna give you a law about murder. You've heard, you shouldn't murder anybody, not your kids, not your coworkers, nobody, not this guy at the grocery store that drives you crazy. And you can't hate people, that's not good, so we're gonna hang that up here. He even said, you gotta love your enemy. So we'll hang this one down here. And then he said, you have to pray for the people that persecute you. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus said all of those, those are good things. And they hang on loving God and loving others. So look at, if you look at this, what it really is, it represents a way that we can live the way that God wants us to. We can obey these things so we can be in right relationship with him and with others. And it makes sense. It might seem restrictive, but this helps us live out the life that he has for us. But then there's that other set of rules that we all like, right? We all have our own rules and laws that we like to make up along the way. So maybe one that you've heard of before is this. Anybody ever heard this one? Don't run in church. Don't run in church, right? Jesus never said that. Had it been, it would have been his most frequently quoted <laughs> command, right? My kids run all around the church and I'm, I'm afraid that people aren't gonna think that I'm parenting them. I'm really afraid they're gonna run in and knock some, run into somebody and knock them out. So we try to hang that on people and I'll say, gosh, please, Stop running in church, right? You probably have a rule that's been hung on you like that before. Um, one that comes up a lot in church is dress code. I just wish everybody would dress a certain way, right? You should dress your best when you go to church. And so we try to hang that on people because we all, it, we, just, we just feel better when everybody kind of looks the same. There's nobody too far out on either extreme. Here's one, maybe, have you ever heard this in a church setting before? Oh, the music isn't loud enough, or the music is too loud, or the music is too soft, it's too fast. We need more hymns, right? And so we should say, well, if you're gonna really follow Jesus, you gotta listen to a certain type of music and your church should be a certain type of way. And then there's this one, social class. I don't wanna go to church with anybody that makes so much money that I feel awkward. But I kinda don't feel comfortable being around people that make me feel dirty either. So I'm gonna hang that on some people. And one that we get, I know this will shock you, but we get dinged on this one every once in a while. I don't know. I went to a church where we just, we did things differently. The mission of the church, I'm not sure that I buy into this. If our mission is to help people find their way back to God by making disciples, that making disciples, by making disciples. And sometimes people just aren't, aren't on with that. They, they want to try to hang their past experience on the church. And then here's one, your physical appearance or tattoos and piercings. I just want to be around people that don't make me feel weird or odd in any way. And so I just want, this is what we want. And we, whether we would admit it or not, we all have our rules and what we don't realize we're doing. As we start to communicate, you're not good enough. If you wanna come here, you gotta be good. You gotta kind of fit in in this way. And this cuts both ways, doesn't it? I bet you've probably felt this way before. I bet you maybe you've showed up on a Sunday or maybe you've interacted with a Christian and you thought, I just don't think I'm very good. And so we hang all these laws and rules. So what happens? Well, when you look at it, if this represents, you just can't even find God's laws anymore because all of ours are covering up all of his and it gets to be a little burdensome. And this gets to be pretty heavy. You're not good enough. And what happens is after a while, we hang it on people and the whole thing just shatters. It's really hard to figure out what God is like when everybody's give, putting up this perimeter around him. Like, you can't do these things, you can't do these things, you can't do these things. And God's loving, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. And then it, 
splinters our relationships with other people. It keeps people at a distance, and it gets really, really confusing. The problem with us hanging our rules that we make up onto other people is that when it comes to following Jesus, people get hung up on the rules that we make up, and they miss out on following him altogether. When we hang our rules on people, they miss out on Jesus altogether because the rules just hang them up. Andy Stanley says it like this. If your theology separates you from sinners like you, you may have some work to do because that's not the theology of God. Now, this topic hits really close to home for me because I got to experience this firsthand when I first started following Jesus. I was a brand new Christian. I just started following Jesus and I was working in the corporate world. So I took the Friday off. It was Good Friday. We were gonna go to church that night. And I thought, well, I'm gonna go to church the way that I'm dressed. And I had on flip-flops, jeans, and a t-shirt. Well, we show up to church and I run into a very well-known person at the church. I know them and they know me. I, I said, hey, my name, hey, how's it going? And they looked at me and their body recoiled. They were like, and I realized, uh-oh, I broke a rule. I, I didn't know. And I snuck into service. And this is Good Friday. We're celebrating Jesus' death on the cross. Can I be honest with you? I did not feel comfortable being there. I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. I had offended my friend. And I, I kid you not, I was trying to figure out whether or not Jesus was mad at me. And if you've ever been there, if you ever have felt that from another Christian, can I just apologize? That's not what Jesus is about. That's not what the church is meant to be. About, But here's the most tragic part of that story for me. Guess what I started to do? I started dressing up on Sunday mornings because I wanted to blend in. I didn't want to be on anybody's radar because I learned that there were rules, but they weren't posted anywhere. But there were rules about how to dress and how often you go to church and what you drink and what you don't drink and what movies you should watch and all these things. And the only way I knew that I broke a rule was when somebody would lovingly pull me aside and say, hey, dummy, you can't do that here. Oh, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, ugh, it just didn't, it never felt good. And so I started doing all those same things, judge people for what they drank, for the movies they went to. I didn't have kids yet and I was judging people for their parenting style. How much of a jerk do you have to be to do that, right? But that's, can you see how dangerous this becomes. So I was following all my rules, but something happened that changed all that for me. My youngest brother, Daniel, started asking questions about Jesus. And I was trying to help him understand how great and good Jesus was, but there was just one problem. He wasn't buying all the rules that I was shoveling along with Jesus. He was smart enough to realize, oh, I don't think that's it. And all of my religious rules were a roadblock. He was looking at Jesus like this. He had to look up over a wall to figure out what he really looked like. And all of a sudden I realized I have a decision to make. Am I gonna continue to be a religious jerk that follows all these rules that make me feel good but keeps him at an arm's distance? Or would I be willing to take Jesus up on these first two commandments, to love God with all my heart, soul, and mind and to love other people the way that I love myself? And when I thought about it in terms of my brother, it was a no-brainer. I mean, that's how I believed that God had loved me. Why couldn't I do that for him? And I'll be honest with you. I've been on a road to recovery ever since. I got to fight against all the rules that I want to make up for myself. But let's be honest. Sometimes it's just easier to live by our rules 
Because laws are clear. They're black and white. Do this, don't do that, right? Love is messy. Paul Waddell says this, love doesn't sound so dangerous until you've tried it. And once you try to love people that are different than you, it gets, it gets interesting. It's one thing to know that you should love people, but it's another thing to actually put it into practice. But guys, let's be honest. Nothing, nothing will hinder the love of God more. Nothing than all the rules and regulations that you and I make up that aren't his. Nothing will keep people further away from God than all the religious standards that we try to apply to people. Now, it's no secret that love is messy. I mean, just ask Jesus. Jesus loved his heavenly father with every fiber of his being and his love was evidence in his obedience. The apostle Paul said he was obedient to death, even death on a cross. He was so, he loved God so much that when his father said, you have to die on that cross for people, he said, okay, I'll do that. And as he hung on that cross, he showed us how much he loved us. He said, I love all of you. I'm gonna hang here for you. Listen to what the apostle Paul writes about this. He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, listen to this, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Interesting, that word hung is the same word that Jesus says, All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands, how you love God and how you love people. Jesus modeled it for us perfectly when he died for us on the cross. And so if you're curious about what the rules are when it comes to following Jesus, he says, you love God with all that you are, not part of you, all of you, and you have to learn to love everybody else the way that you love yourself. And all those other rules and laws from God protect us and help us to live those out in love so that our love radiates to the world around us and people can really understand who Jesus is and what he is like. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how clear it is. Jesus, I thank you for your teachings on how important God's laws are. And I'm thankful that you point out that those laws are there to protect us and to draw us near to you. But I am so thankful that you clarified that when it comes down to it, we have to learn to love our heavenly father the way that you did with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. And we are on the hook if we, as your followers, to love all the people around us the same way that you loved us, the same way that we love ourselves. And if we can do that, if we can practice that, there's no telling what you might be able to do in and through us. And so, Father, I pray for a couple of different groups of people this morning. I pray for those of us that follow you, Jesus, would you bring to light all the laws and rules that we've made up, that we push off on other people? Would you help us to see how it keeps people at a distance? And I pray for those that have been beat up by religious laws, kept at a distance from you, Jesus, because of the laws that we've created. Would you set them free? Would you help them to see who you really are and to come and know you? And would you help all of us to live out this ethic of love that you've called us to, Jesus? We love you, and it's in your name that we pray.